Welcome to the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 72 of the podcast. And today, we have some minor updates on the Jimmy Garoppolo trade talks. We also got to talk about, is Brady really coming back? Might be some news on that topic as well. We also have to discuss one quarterback that could be brought in to be Trey Lance's backup, potentially a starter if Lance is not ready, and one or two ways the San Francisco 49ers can save money to extend guys like Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa on top of bringing back a plethora of their free agents. So let's talk about the biggest news of pretty much yesterday. That was Adam Schefter saying that it's not a lock that Jimmy Garoppolo is traded. He said, it may happen, but it's not a lock. And my first reaction, I think many people's, was the same of like, really? Like, this is what we're doing? We're we're going to say a bunch of nothing, or we're going to use a ton of words to say a bunch of nothing. Like, it may happen, but it might not. Like, there really isn't a report here. There isn't a take here. It's Schefter saying, hey, look, I'm not going to make a blanket statement I'm not going to hurt my reputation. Uh, I already got Mac Jones wrong last year. Uh, I don't want to get this wrong too, but let's be clear here. The Niners are going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. And I want to get into this kind of conspiracy point, and I hate doing this because that's not who I am. Uh, I'm not Alex Jones. (laughs) My tinfoil hat is not on right now. But to me, all the news, and it's been, not to say anti-Trey Lance, But it's been leaning more so of like, Trey's not ready. I'm not sure he's ready to play quarterback yet. He's so young. And don't get me wrong. I'm someone, and as of you know, that has been on the let's be patient with Trey. Let's give him a year. Let's give Trey some time to get acclimated to the NFL. Remember, only played one game in 2020. Like, we know this now. He needed some time. Kyle Shanahan's system is extremely hard to learn And so you have a kid like this who's really smart. Give him time to know the ins and outs before you go out there and say, now use your athletic ability, which is what looks like to be elite top tier athletic ability, to win me games. And so I'm all for the patient side of things. But there's a certain point where you have to say, look, we had this plan in place. It worked out to as close to perfection as you can get to without actually being there. And now it's time to go to step two. And so, in my opinion, what Schefter is saying here is that, look, is Jimmy going to get traded? Most likely. But I'm not going to be the one to step out on the limb. That's not me. But I'll do it for you, Adam. I will be the one to take the baton and say, Jimmy Garoppolo will be traded. Not because... He stinks, or or Trey's going to come in and light the world on fire. I'm never going to set expectations on Trey in year one. I will say, I need you to be as good as Jimmy G in certain things, and I understand you're going to be a rookie in other aspects of the game. But in Adam's case, he don't want to go out there and make a bold statement. Well, I'll do it for you. Jimmy Garoppolo will get traded, and from what I've heard from... I'm not going to say insiders. It it could happen as soon as the week of March 1st. Now, we'll see. It may not. It may. I'm going to do my Adam Schefter here and say, it may, but it may not happen. But people want to say 
they're waiting on Rodgers to happen, and is Russ going to get moved? Well, it looks like Rodgers is going to keep this thing going on for a while. He may do another cleanse. <laughs> um, and Russell Wilson doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. And so, when sticking with Jimmy G and Trey Lance, we've gotten all this kind of, again, Trey's not ready news, right? And to me, not to say San Francisco is letting this get out there, but we know how this team, Shanahan and Lynch, the guys at the top, they like to work the media. They don't create the narratives, but if a narrative's out there, they, they're not going to change it, right? We saw it last year. Uh, they're going to take Mac Jones. Mac Jones is their guy. They let the media run wild with that stuff. And we heard in their post-draft press conference, they were like, we weren't going to say anything. Like, we didn't make that up. We didn't say that. We we like Mac Jones, and he could have been one of the guys, but why would we stop a false narrative when we don't have to? <laughs> and so I think this is happening now. Now, again, the Montana stuff saying Trey's not ready. They should stick with Jimmy. The Schefter stuff, almost every single ESPN analyst saying, you know, I don't think Trey's ready. I'm worried about his health, a.k.a. Booger McFarlane, even Ryan Clark to a certain point. Even Pete Prisco from CBS, who CBS Sports is arguably one of the most inaccurate things or inaccurate outlets in the media currently. They're all saying Trey's not ready, right? To me, and again, put the conspiracy hat on. I don't do it often. Let's let's relish in this for what it's worth. To me, this is San Francisco not stopping any of the rumors, any of the talk, right? And it's really two parts. One, it's the offseason. We're at this kind of low point where we're waiting for free agency to start when guys can actually get traded, can actually get moved. And so people are making up stuff. They're grasping at straws. They have to talk about something. I work in sports radio. I can tell you the last week, maybe from Super Bowl Sunday and on, there really has not been much to talk about. The conversations have been redundant. Nothing's happening. It's like, well, we can talk about uh, this, Jimmy G and Trey Lance again, when the conversation has been had for over a year and it's kind of dull, right? And so, I get that. It's media. You have to find a story somewhere. They're going to say, hey, Ryan Clark, hey, Booker McFarland, can you just say something to give us clicks? And they go, okay, boss. Like, that's how these things work. And so that's one part of it. But the other side to me is that the Niners are never, in this case, the Niners are never going to stop a rumor that actually benefits them. If the media or teams or other teams believe that they don't think Trey is ready, well, guess what? That benefits them. That means they're saying, we don't have to trade Jimmy. We can keep Jimmy. Trey's not ready yet. Like, we're a little worried about Trey. We're worried about his health. Has he progressed the way he's supposed to? This only benefits San Francisco. This only benefits them in the trade market for Jimmy. And, again, I'm not going to see out here and say the Niners are going to get a first-round pick for Jimmy. No, no, no. And... I'm not even going to say there could be a bidding war, albeit if Rodgers isn't on the market, which in my opinion seems like he will not be, and Russ isn't on the market, which again, seems like he will not be, Jimmy becomes kind of quarterback one, QB one, A, one B, because he's a winner, a proven winner, you can give him an extension, which lowers the cap hit, and I've heard there's been a couple of teams that have been talking with him to in regards to a contract extension. And so, it's not like this move will not be made. 
Like, Jimmy Garoppolo will be traded. But San Francisco is not going to stop rumors of Trey Lance not being ready. Again, Trey Lance is ready to be a starting quarterback. He may not be ready to be an elite overall talent, a.k.a. Mahomes or Allen or Herbert. Like, that conversation does not need to be had right now. There are insane expectations being placed on a 22-year-old kid. Now, on top of that, and along with that, that does not mean there shouldn't be maybe an inkling of thought of, well, Mahomes won a ring in year two, Burrow almost got a ring in year two. Like There are things along the line that would make the fan base think that there's no reason that Trey Lance could not be extremely successful in year two. But Mahomes and Burrow were much more finished products. Again, do not put those expectations on Trey Lance, but understand that there's a small percentage of this where he could have an amazing year. But also, I'm not expecting him to have an elite type of season yet because he hasn't really played all... He hasn't played 12 quarters yet. He hasn't played three complete games yet. So there's no reason to put the expectations on him like that. But I do think San Francisco, they're going to sit back and they're going to say, well... If the media is going to dig themselves into a hole, and they're going to potentially increase Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value, and other teams know this as well, that why would we change anything? Like, please, go ahead. Talk about Tom Brady. Talk about Jimmy G. Talk about Trey Lance and how he's not ready. Tell me all the concerns you have over this kid. Please, by all means, do it. It only benefits us. It only benefits what we can get for Jimmy Garoppolo. And what that might be, I don't know. I would assume somehow, some way there will be a second overall pick, or not, excuse me, a second round pick. The Niners will get in some way, some form of second round pick. I think Tim Calacomley said for the Athletic that a fourth round pick this year and a fourth round pick that can turn into a second round pick in 2022. Now, I do think Jimmy, I think San Francisco would elect for one pick this year and one pick next year just to kind of give them some foresight, knowing they're going to have a third round pick for McDaniel next year. They can also get some comp picks in the offseason. And on top of that, you can never go wrong with having a second-round pick next year. And you can have two second-round picks next year. But again, in some way, some form, it's either going to be a second and like a fifth or it's going to be a third and a fourth. Like, there's going to be some middle ground here. And that all really depends on what and how other teams value Jimmy. And I do think it's a little higher than what this fan base might at this current moment. So let's talk about... Tom Brady. Tom Brady's been all over the news. We talked about could Tom Brady actually come to San Francisco last week. And I said, no, it's not happening. Tom Brady's not coming here. He's retired. Well, we got the first inkling of what Tom Brady's going to do post-retirement, and that's make a movie. And if I am read this correctly, it seems like that movie is going to be about the 28-3 to Victory over Kyle Shanahan's Atlanta Falcons at the time, albeit offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan. And I talked about how last week where the egos aren't going to mesh. Shanahan and Brady, they're not going to mesh well. That Brady's going to say, hey, I'm the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, I make the decisions around here. And and Shanahan's going to say, well, hold on. Uh, You're 45 years old. I'm one of the best play callers in the league right now. You're just here to get me over the hump. And Brady's going to say, dude, the hump that you're over, I was over 20 years ago. 
I did it in my pretty much second year as a starter. And so I don't think that's going to mesh. But now we have news where it's Tom Brady is like, I'm making movies now. I'm going to Hollywood. I'm going to live in L.A. I'm going to live in Florida and the, the nice, the, the beaches and the sun and the spray tans and the Botox and all this stuff. I can have the avocado ice cream every single day. And so it it's all signs are pointing to Tom Brady being done. Even Jimmy Ward last night on his Instagram live said, look, I think all of this Tom Brady stuff, he might come back, but I think all of this stuff is just media drawing up things to discuss in the offseason. And that's exactly what this is. Sure. Are there connections with Tom Brady in San Francisco? Yes. But you have to think about where we're at in the offseason. The NFL without Tom Brady, they have witnessed the NFL not only become one of the most famous sports in America, it is number one by far, but it has become a more international sport with Tom Brady in it, right? It's become more popular, they've made more money because of Tom Brady, bigger storylines because of Tom Brady. Every deflate gate, every bounding gate, every spy gate has been partially due to Tom Brady. There's been, what, eight Super Bowls because of Tom Brady, right? He has been the villain or, in some cases, the hero of the NFL, depending on how you view him. Like, he left New England. It was, is Jimmy going to take over? What's Belichick going to do without Tom Brady? And then Belichick gets Mac Jones and Cam Newton, and they figure things out, and they go to the playoffs, and Tom wins a championship a year after leaving Belichick. Like, and Jimmy goes to San Francisco and almost gets a ring in 2019. Like, uh, Tom Brady has been the focal point, or if not a part of, the story in almost every single circle of the NFL for 20 plus years. This is the NFL and the corporations like ESPN and Fox Sports saying, uh, we don't know what to do once Brady's gone, which is why it's so important they push Mahomes. They can push Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and all these things. The media is always looking for a story. And with ESPN losing ratings like crazy, what are they going to do? You're going to go back to what works. We're going to milk this Tom Brady story until it's you know, it's rotten, right? And then as soon as free agency starts and games start again, Tom Brady goes away. But I guarantee you, as soon as the Bucks struggle or Trey Lance struggles or if another team starts struggling like Indianapolis or whoever it may be, all of a sudden it's, well, is Tom Brady going to come back? Because it's a talking point everybody can identify with. We saw it with Brett Favre. And you'll see with plenty of other guys later in their careers too. Drew Brees, there's talks in, in him coming back last year. It happens with every top-tier quarterback. Peyton Manning, albeit Manning had the neck injury, which affected him a lot. But I guarantee you, as soon as Rush retires, as soon as Mahomes retires, when Allen retires, it happens even Big Ben last year was, is he going to retire? Is he going to come back? Like, these stories make headlines for days and days and days and days because they they have captured an audience for 20 plus years. Even Philip Rivers was talking about coming back last year. Like, there's a reason these stories stick. And we're at the same part of the offseason for Tom Brady. He retired. He didn't go out on top. Kind of rather... In, kind of a low light kind of a way to go out. He got beat by the Rams at home. He didn't show up very well after killing the Eagles in round one. Kind of a, a lackluster way to go out. And so now it's like, well, we didn't know what to do. Tom, Tom's gone. <laughs> uh, like, he thanked the Patriots. He thanked the Bucks. Like, Tom's done. 
And I think the media has not accepted that yet, but because they know the game to play, they're going to milk this thing until it's red in the face. And they're saying, well, Tom almost came here in 2020, so uh, he can go there again, which isn't the case. I said last week, the Niners thought about Tom Brady with Jimmy Garoppolo post-2019. Okay, they decided to stick with Jimmy, who had a really good year in 2019. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to, maybe not replace, but choose to sit the quarterback they traded three first-round picks for, who is already in line to replace the guy they said no to Tom Brady for, and they believe should be better than the guy that they said no to Tom Brady for and Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) So it's like, why would they go for Brady? I understand he's a GOAT. I get it. One year, Tom Lance can sit. That's not been the plan. They did not expect Tom Brady to retire this year, nor did they expect him to be available. Like, they're not signing Tom Brady. He's not coming back. And if he does, again, I'm going to eat that jar of mayonnaise. <laughs> like, I will eat that crow, but he's not coming back. He's not. Players don't believe it. I think Tom is moving on to Hollywood. Like, he, he's taking the John Cena and the Rock route, right? He's like, look, I am the greatest quarterback of all time. I want to make billions making movies, too. And I'm going to train and stay healthy, stay in shape, because he wants to. That's who he is. He's the ultimate competitor. And maybe a month out of the season, he might say, I'm missing the itch. So does everybody. Everybody misses it. Whether you're the greatest of all time, or you're a 10-year vet, or you're a 2-year vet. That's all this is. It's media talk, because they do not know what to do with themselves, and they have to milk the story until it's dry. That's all this is. Now let's move on to a story that kind of came out of nowhere. And I think it's a valuable one to have. It's this conversation of who's going to be quarterback two going into next year. Because is it Nate Sudfeld, who the Niners seemingly have a connection with? Uh, He played for the quarterback coach, Rick Scangarello, in Philadelphia. He knows this system. They elevated him week 18 against the Rams to kind of say, hey, look, this is a good faith move. You've been good for us back here. Let's reward you with the money you deserve as a bonus. And so I do think Nate Sudfeld is back. Jimmy's gone. You have Lance. You have Sudfeld. That's a quarterback room that looks to be already in place in 2022. But then this story, and really, it wasn't a report. It was more of an opinion. That is that the Niners could poke around, may have interest in, makes a lot of sense, was the exact quote for Marcus Mariota. And... Jeremy Fowler of ESPN talked about how Marcus Mariota makes a lot of sense in San Francisco because not only could he back up Trey Lance, he knows the business, he can be a smart quarterback that can come in behind him, help him learn the game, but also, in case Lance isn't ready, there's that word again, isn't ready, he can start three or four games until Lance is, until Shanahan feels comfortable enough handing the reins over to Trey Lance. Well, One, we already learned that Shanahan was insanely close to doing it last year. And so, I don't think this is a move that would be in case Lance isn't ready. But primarily as a backup, this move makes more sense to me. Now, my issue isn't with Mariota. I like Mariota. I think he'd be a great backup to have here. He's mobile enough where you can run similar plays. He's been in the league for what? I don't know, what has it been? Almost, what, eight years, six years? He's been semi-successful 
when he was playing in Las Vegas and Oakland, uh, there were rumors that John Gruden liked him more than Derek Carr. Now, make of that what you will. It's John Gruden and Mike Mayock that were at the regime at the time. But Mariota, to me, makes a lot of sense as the backup. But here's here's the issue. You have Pittsburgh, who needs a quarterback. You got Denver, who might need a quarterback. You got teams like Washington, Carolina, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. There are plenty of other teams that need a starting quarterback. And Mariota might fit that mold a lot better than a backup quarterback in San Francisco, where he's more less likely excuse me, to start in place of Lance. He can start in Washington. He can start in Carolina. He can start in New Orleans. He can start in Tampa Bay. He can start in Pittsburgh. If you're Mariota, why even take a chance of being a backup again when there's arguably starting money out there for you on the market? People want to connect dots and say, well, he should go here and he should go here. And I understand it. It's the offseason, right? We always do this. Who'd be the best fit? Who'd be the, the number one guy on the list? That usually isn't the guy that you sign unless you're a team that has big money, uh, has maybe expendable pieces you can move, uh, or you're a team that is going to come into a gigantic cap influx and you can spend big on free agents. San Francisco was not that team, and I think a guy like Marcus Mariota, he might be valued somewhere close to $11 million. He made 11 in in in, uh, in Las Vegas. Now, they did restructure that deal to lower his cap pay, so even then, even if he's making like $8 million as a starter for a year at a place that wants to draft the guy this year, whether it's Pickett or Corral or Willis, he's a guy who can be a stopgap guy for two years. The Niners don't need a stopgap guy, and I think Mariota would be more so of that person for them. But a guy like Terod Taylor, who's 32 and a half years old, really, uh, who knows he's not going to be a starter on a good team, who knows he's a veteran guy, knows Anthony Lynn very well, has been a stopgap guy for Mayfield and Herbert, and even Josh Allen. Like, he makes a lot more sense than a team, excuse me, than Marcus Mariota. But I want to give you a couple more quarterbacks that I think maybe are a little more likely because Mariota and Taylor are kind of the high-end backups, right? Guys that really have starting caliber talent, in the ability to start on maybe a bad team or an average team, but essentially have fallen into backup roles due to their past history not being great, and in Troy Taylor's perspective or point, uh, injuries, right? He was in Houston last year, got hurt, Davis Mills took over. Like, Troy Taylor makes for the best backup guy. He plays one or two games if Lance goes down, and you can figure things out. He can teach Lance what to do. But, here's the thing is that I don't know with guys like Debo Samuel, Nick Bosa, DJ Jones, Jaquaski Tart, uh, Arden Key, Lakin Tomlinson, all these guys who are free agents, Raheem Mostert, uh, all these guys are free agents, right? Or at least need an extension. There's not going to be a lot of money to be played with. People want to say, well, well, you can just restructure or cut D Ford. You ain't cutting D Ford. He's like, rest of his $11 million got guaranteed this year. So, I think it's like 4.6 million got guaranteed. Like, you're not saving much with him. D Ford will likely be on this team next year unless they restructure again. But the reason why he's going to be on this team because they restructured last year. And now, to a certain degree, we are seeing the repercussions of that. Or he has to stay on the team. You're not going to cut him for a large sum this year. Like, they did what they had to do last year to bring back the majority of the team. 
Now you're hoping that all happens again. But getting back to quarterbacks, here are a few guys I do think might be better fits or cheaper options to fill that role of not only just quarterback, backup QB, but also teacher of the system, teacher of the NFL for Trey Lance. Number one, I think it's Jacoby Brissett. Brissett's 29 years old, been a career backup in in New England, uh, had a small starting uh, job with Indianapolis uh, but, but during Andrew Luck's injury and post-retirement. Uh, didn't really show off too much. Uh, then last year with Miami, uh, I think he's a guy you can bring in. He's a good, he's a good enough pocket passer. He's learned again from Luck, from Brady, even Jimmy G to a certain degree. Uh, so I do think Brissett might be a really good option to bring in. Probably cheaper than a Mariota, cheaper than a Terod Taylor. And so I do think Brissett could be a guy you can bring in, albeit not the best guy I think you could bring in. Obviously Mariota and Taylor holding those rankings. Then on top of that, I'm looking at someone like, and I, I hate to say this because, one, he beat us in a Super Bowl all the way back in like 2012-2011, and he's someone that he's extremely old, pretty much stinks at this point in his career, and so this guy really isn't the quarterback you'd bring in to maybe play a game. <laughs> this is a guy you'd bring in that can teach Trey Lance more so than maybe be serviceable on the field, and that's Joe Flacco. There were rumors last year in the offseason that the Niners are going to bring in Joe Flacco, and they did for a visit for a short period of time, didn't sign him, uh, they ended up getting Nate Sudfeld and said, and so to me Flacco is 37, played for 15 years, which is what it seems like, he's been uber successful for a long time in Baltimore, and I think someone like him who knows the ins and outs of the NFL can help Trey Lance in his progressions. He has a big arm. People forget, Joe Flacco was actually really good for a long time. Was he elite? <laughs> Maybe not elite Joe Flacco. But I do think Joe Flacco was had a really successful time in Baltimore. And while what happened in Denver and New York wasn't great by any means... I do think Joe Flacco can be very beneficial, and already they've already kind of shown interest in him in the past. So I do think Flacco would fill that kind of teacher role better, right? The Jedi to Trey Lance's Padawan, you could argue. And so I do think you got Brissett, and you got Joe Flacco, and the wild card here, and there's two of them. One of them is Mitchell Trubisky. But again, Trubisky kind of falls in that Marcus Mariota territory, where it's like, a team might take a chance on you. They might bring him in to compete with a rookie. And if the rookie can't beat Trubisky, you go with Trubisky, plays for a year, eight weeks, whatever it may be, and he fills that role as the kind of the bridge guy to get against someone like Corral and pick it ready to start in the NFL. And so I think I would lean away from Trubisky because sometimes you want your backup quarterback to not be a similar, to have a similar skill set as your starter. It's almost like in baseball you have the opener, then you can use a starter, right? The opener is high velocity, 99 miles an hour, amazing slider, gets you three, maybe six outs. Then you bring in the starter that throws 92, is more of a spot guy, can hit the corners, right? It just changes the entire uh, offense's attack on that pitcher. The same kind of goes for starting quarterback to a certain point, where if you have Lance, who's a big arm, um... He's mobile in the pocket, has good pocket presence, 
you hope he, again, this is this Mahomes-esque guy. He's fluid in the pocket, can beat you with his arm and his legs. You bring in someone that's very similar to that, it doesn't change what the offense or the defense has to scheme for. We saw it firsthand, right? The Niners' defense all thought Murray was starting in like week 11 against Arizona at home at Levi Stadium, and they tossed Cole McCoy out there, and it changed the entire thing. Uh, it changed the entire way the defense played. They missed tackles. They couldn't get fumble recoveries. They could not stop James Conner for the life of him. And so I'm I'm more lean to more of a pocket passer guy. And I hate to say this <laughs> because we're replacing this guy, but there's no harm in having a Jimmy G-esque guy be your backup quarterback. Someone that is good on third downs, maybe more reliant on the running game, and... I do like Trubisky, but I think he is more in the line of a Mariota or is someone that likely is too inconsistent to be a backup quarterback in case Lance goes down. Like, in my opinion, a backup quarterback isn't someone that has a week to study. It's someone who has, you know, you have, yes, you have your week, but Lance gets hurt halftime. You have to go in there and play. Like, the beauty of Lance this year was that Jimmy gets hurt in the Seattle game in the first half. Lance comes in the lights it up, almost gets you a win. Like, that's something you want out of your backup quarterback, right? And so I don't know if Trubisky is that guy. Again, I wouldn't mind it, but I, I would actually lean heavier towards Joe Flacco. Again, not based on skill set, not based on what they can do on the field, but just having that mind behind Trey Lance, to me, is more beneficial than maybe the inconsistencies or what Trubisky might bring to the offense in the case Lance goes down. The other guy, the other guy I do think might be valuable is is Chase Daniel. Again, Chase Daniel is more in the line of a Joe Flacco kind of guy. He's 35 years old. He's older. He's played behind Herbert. He was their backup last year in Los Angeles. Uh... I would assume he impacts what Herbert does a lot in regards to helping him learn the game. But also, don't forget, Daniel learned behind Drew Brees for a long time. And again, to me, hammering this point home, I want someone that has the mind of a veteran quarterback. Someone who's been there, seen that, been in different situations, has won you a game, can win you a game. And... Guys like Flacco, again, these guys are not going to light you up physically. They're not going to be the guy you want to come in necessarily and say, lead me to a championship. But it's a guy you can say with everything's right around them, you're old enough where you can find the holes, you can exploit the defense in certain areas, let Shanahan kind of call the game for you, let the game come to you. Again, somewhat like Jimmy G, but not exactly like them. Maybe a more... A, a more kind of grizzled veteran they have again they have all the tools in in their past to be successful like a Flacco but since then they dwindled down they're older the arm isn't as good but the brain is still there to kind of let Lance pick at it and again I think Flacco would be a better guy than, than Daniel but I do think Daniel has the potential to help Trey Lance again pick his mind Daniel to me is better physically right now than Flacco would be. So if you kind of want maybe a little less of a mind to pick at and learn from, but you want maybe a higher potential, better physically gifted quarterback at this age or this stage in their career, you might lean Daniel. And so to me, people want to say Terod Taylor, I get that. The, the, the Lynn connections make a lot of sense there. He's known the system for a while. 
Mariota and Trubisky are kind of their own thing. Uh, might want too much money. But guys like Joe Flacco and Chase Daniel, they're not going to... They're going to be a bargain. They're going to be guys who you can get at a cheaper price. Daniel made barely $1 million last year. Joe Flacco made roughly $3.5 million, and it's a year after. Like, this is an understanding of, look, Nate Sutfeld might be quarterback too, but the value of having Flacco and Daniel in the quarterback room, it might be better than taking a chance on a Trubisky or Mariota. You're going to sacrifice play. We know this. But you drafted a, a 6-3, 6-4 quarterback in Trey Lance who looks to be a physical, domineering presence. Now get the brain behind him to help him make smarter moves. Sometimes the best way to play or even do life is work smarter, not harder. And again, I am no NFL quarterback, but I would like to think someone like Joe Flacco and Daniel could help Trey Lance play smarter, not harder. Limit the small mistakes, help him read defenses better, help him you know, look at the Mike linebacker, point out coverages, audible out of place, help him see the game a different way that... Kyle Shanahan can only do so much, right? But a veteran quarterback that's been in the league for you know, 15, 20 years, like Daniel, like Flacco, that's been to Super Bowls, have learned behind guys like Drew Brees, and have helped teach guys like Herbert already, why not take a chance on those guys? At least bring them into the room. They already feel comfortable enough with Sudfeld being quarterback too, it seems like. And he has, I think, better potential than I think many of us think. I think there is something there that Shanahan can work with, at least, that might be in line with a C.J. Beathard or someone like that. Again, who isn't great, who's not great by any means, but we saw what Shanahan could do with Nick Mullins for a game or two. He can win you a game or two, but it's when they're relied on to win four, five, six, ten games. That's the issue, and I don't think San Francisco necessarily needs a backup quarterback to win you ten games. They need you to win one, maybe, maybe win you a half or just survive a half of play to get you to the next week. And that's why I'm leaning more towards Flacco and Daniel over somebody like a Mariota, like a Trubisky, and even to a certain point over to Rod Taylor at this point. But I want to move on to maybe one of the bigger questions many people have. And it's not quarterback play. right? That's kind of the, the, the looming cloud over the Niners right now. Uh, if you've seen the trailer for Nope, the new Jordan Peele movie, the the uh, the uh, the poster is a big cloud. <laughs> it's just a big rain cloud, pretty much, albeit it's a flying saucer, but it's a big rain cloud. And it's like, that's kind of what it's like hovering over Levi Stadiums currently. It's like, what is going to happen with Jimmy G? Because a lot of what San Francisco wants to do in regards to extending guys it really adds up to when does Jimmy G's contract get off the books. But another way San Francisco can free up money is extending Jimmy Ward and Eric Armstead. Jimmy Ward wants to be here. He said on Instagram he wants to be here pretty much for life. He wants to get paid again. And not a big sum, but Jimmy Ward, if he already signed a team-friendly deal in twenty post-2019, I believe. And so getting him back in the room... He has one year left on his deal. Give him a two-year extension, so get him to, what? what is that, 2024. Give him a larger sum. You can backload that thing, but it can free up money now. And Eric Armstead, who, again, made a large sum, 
played his best season arguably of his career outside of 2019 last year, has proven to be consistent when he's actually playing in position on the inside. And with Armstead, you can save 9.8 mil. So together, with 6.3 of Ward and 9.8 of Armstead, that's that's 16 plus million dollars right there. And so if you're San Francisco, you can get rid of Jimmy G's $26 million and add 16 more to the pot. Why wouldn't you do that? That can help you bring back Debo, extend Bosa, DJ Jones, Arden Key, Lakin Tomlinson, and can help in the case with the draft picks you get from Jimmy, add more depth to the defense. This team is likely, in Tim Kawakami's opinion, to go heavy on defense. I would agree with that. The offense is there. I do think you need a right tackle, not to be a starter in McGlinchey's case, but the injury is really serious, and I'm not sure how he's going to come back. Tom Compton did fine, but if you can get a better right tackle in pass protection there behind McGlinchey, it can only help. And if you can bring back guys like Lakin Tomlinson, Alex Mack doesn't retire, you can fix your edge rushing issue or what looks to be a concern going into the offseason by having key Ebukam and what's left of a D Ford and Nick Bosa freshly extended off his best year of his career, like that is amazing. That's cooking with oil. Like you're you're setting yourself up for another run. Uh, in other words, you're saying, "Hey, our only weakness," and I put weakness in quotations, might be a secondary that played extremely well towards the end of last year. Mosley was phenomenal. Every Thomas came into his own, and if you can extend Ward and you can bring back Tart, you're pretty much bringing back the same unit. Maybe add some things. Maybe K1 comes back with the money you're freeing up. Maybe, in this case, you can add a Terod Taylor with the money you freed up. Or, maybe you go and sign a big-name free agent. Who knows? I, I don't think that's going to happen. But, to me, this year's all about bringing back your own guys. You were a Final Four team, and... The biggest question mark going into this year outside of secondary, which again played phenomenal towards the end of the season, is what is Trey Lance? Well, how do you help any young quarterback? You build the team up around him. You extend Lincoln Tomlinson. You hopefully get Alex Mack back. You reinforce the offensive line. You hope Aaron Banks can actually play this year. You hope Jalen Moore takes somewhat of a leap to actually be a swing tackle. You bring back Tom Compton in case someone goes down. And maybe you add a right guard. Maybe you add someone that's more consistent than Daniel Brunskill, who actually was pretty good last year, albeit not great. Like, you add the team around him, build this infrastructure around Trey Lance. The only thing he can do is lift you up, right? And so you can save $16 million on top of the 26 for Jimmy. You're pretty much negative five right now, so you're saving roughly 21 with Jimmy. On top of 16, $37 million is plenty of money to bring back who you need to bring back. Then you let Parag work his magic and structure deals how he sees fit. And then you say, well, we have $10 million left over. We can bring in, you know, the luxury guys, right? A better right guard. Maybe you want to bring in, you want to re-sign Jordan Willis. Or you want to sign a better slot corner, although K1 is great, despite the lasting impression not being <laughs> not being the best. Or you want to help bring back, or, or excuse me, you want to help add secondary depth behind Mosley and, um, 
and Kwan and Thomas and even Lenore, you want to add a guy better than Dante Johnson, or you want to go out and you want to get a receiver. Maybe you want to help Debo and Ayuk and Sherfield and Jennings, and you want to get a burner receiver out of the draft, or even in free agency, someone that maybe can help you more than Travis Benjamin actually can. So, I, to me, there's no worry. Debo is getting extended, Bose is getting extended, and there are options here to where the Niners can have plenty of money to actually bring back all of their free agents. People who I think are expendable, people who I think are maybe less important than others, they can bring almost everybody back. And to me, that is the biggest positive of the offseason so far. Like, you can sign big names, like J.C. Jackson's not coming over here, but if you can bring back the entirety of the roster you had last year, and you can implement maybe a better right guard or you know depth behind McGlinchey and Compton and Brunskill guys to reinforce the offensive line. Maybe you add a burner receiver and a veteran quarterback like a Flacco or Daniel, and then you're setting Trey Lance up to be the most successful second-year quarterback of his class. More than Chicago, than New York, than Jacksonville with Lawrence, and like, no, duh. But you're setting Lance up for nothing but success. And to me, that's that's the most important thing going into next year, is setting Lance up for success, and the Niners have the blueprint to do so. As we end today's show, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, SeatGeek. Want to go to a concert, uh, a, a sporting event. Baseball hasn't started yet. I'm extremely sad. But once baseball starts, maybe you want to go to a Warrior game or a basketball game. Use the promo code 49 access get $20 off your first purchase. And on top of that, if you want to know who the Niners are going to sign in the offseason, who they're bringing back, who they're bringing in, you're going to want to follow us on social media. At 49ers access is the Instagram and Twitter. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. Only 40 followers away from 2,000. Thank you guys so much. This offseason is going to be so busy with content and signings and rumors. You are not going to want to miss a thing, and you will not miss a thing if you follow us on social media. And with that said, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. My name is Sterling Bennett, and until next time, stay faithful.